Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. It's so nice to be chatting with you guys today, talking to you today. As Adam said, my name is Emily. Um, I help with our next steps here. So if you're looking to join a small group or uh, let's say you're new or maybe you just gave your life to Jesus, I'm kind of the person that will um, hunt you down. I'll I'll maybe email you, talk to you. I want to try and make connections. And so that's what I do here. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Uh, My husband and I, Brett, right there. Why do you wave, Brett? Yeah, my husband and I, Brett, <laughs> have been going to this church for quite a long time. We actually met as youth leaders here. And uh, before I start, how awesome are our campus pastors? How amazing are Pastor Adam and Shandy? You know, uh, I've known Pastor Adam since I was a teenager because when I was a teenager, I lived in Kelowna. And um, I would volunteer at Nanus Bay Camp where we're doing our coastline camp. And um, Adam and Shandy were the directors at the time at the preteen camp. And so even then, they were speaking into my life. I was like a 15-year-old working out my faith, um, trying to figure out what this looked like. And they were even speaking into my life then. And they just love people so well, hey? And so I'm just so thankful for this opportunity, but also just I get to work with them every day. And it's, it's so awesome. And, uh, you know, we're in a series right now called Heroes. So we've been looking at different people in the Bible, talking about, okay, why are they in the Bible? Why are they significant? Um, what can we learn from them? So we've looked at James and Caleb, and today I get to talk about Ruth. I'm so excited I get to talk about Ruth. And we're, we're looking at, okay, so why is she considered a hero? Why is she mentioned in the Bible? We're going to talk about that today. And uh, our hope when we preach is that um, you can be encouraged right now. That there can be something, you know, we believe that God speaks to us in so many ways. You know, we believe that God is a personal God. Amen. You know, he's a God that wants to speak to you today. And so when we preach and when we speak or when we host and worship, our hope is that we can encourage you right now. But we can also encourage you that when you go home, that tomorrow morning when you wake up, that your faith is still real to you, right? It's not just in this room because... Eventually, school has to come, right? We can't really come here on a Monday unless you attend Belmont. Um, So that's kind of our hope. And so I want to give you a little bit of context for the book of Ruth. And then we're going to look at why she's so significant. Are you guys ready? Sweet. A couple of you are ready, and that's enough for me. Um, So, you know, Ruth is a book of the Bible in the Old Testament. uh, But she is also a real person that lived in ancient times. And the book of Ruth is put in a really, really interesting part of the Bible. So it's between the books of Judges and 1 Samuel. And the book of Ruth actually begins with in the days where the judges ruled. So this is the time of Judges. Um, You know, in in the time of Judges, when we look at the the Old Testament, right, the Israelites are God's chosen people. Um, God saves them, and then they rebel, and then he saves them again, and then they rebel, and it's this ongoing cycle. And through that, there's many different leaders, and um, there's a time where there's judges who act as, as judges. Um, And then 1 Samuel is where we get introduced to David, the king. We get introduced to Saul. So this is a time the Bible talks about. It's a very immoral time. There's a lot of sin. A lot of, it's a really interesting time in history because it's a lot of action. Um, It's, you know, different leaders coming in and out of power. Um, Kings, a lot of battles, um, a lot of killings even. Like, it's a really, like, action-packed time. Um, And in between um, these stories of judges and kings, 
in between these stories of Judges and 1 Samuel, we have this very simple yet powerful story about an ordinary woman in the Bible. It's really significant that that's where she is. That's where this book of the Bible is. In the middle of all of this action, her story is included. So we get to talk about it today. So the book of Ruth is actually introduced by speaking about a woman named Naomi. So we're going to get into the Bible right now. Um, so Naomi and her husband, um, they lived in Bethlehem, that Bethlehem. And then there was a famine, so they went to a place called Moab. And her sons married women there. And one of these women is named Ruth. So you have Naomi, who's the mother-in-law, Ruth, who's the daughter-in-law. Naomi, mother-in-law, Ruth is the daughter-in-law. And then in one sentence, it says that Naomi's husband and her sons died. It says it so casually, like it's just the first line of Ruth, right? That they went to Moab, and then I think it says like 10 years later, her husband and her sons died. Naomi was left with her two daughters-in-law, and their husbands were dead. Then they heard that the famine was over in Bethlehem, so they decided to return to their home. And so this is where we're going to get into the Bible right here. This is what uh, Naomi says to her daughters-in-law through this time. So it says this in Ruth 1.8. If you have your Bible, we're going to be going through the book of Ruth, um, kind of picking and choosing different parts. But we're looking right now at Ruth 1.8, and I think it'll be on the screens behind me. So in verse 8, it says, But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? And then in verse 13, she says, this Naomi saying, would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. This is how this story is introduced. You're like, oh, this is a pretty bleak message. Thanks for this, Emily. A special guest speaker and so bleak. You know, um, this is how this story is introduced. That Naomi and Ruth and uh, the other daughter-in-law have lost their husbands. And they're supposed to go back, and Naomi's saying, just leave me alone. There is nothing else for you. She's saying, I can't, I can't give birth to more, more sons that you would marry. There's no security for you. You know, she's a widow, and both of her daughters-in-law are young widows. And there's so much we could unpack here. There's so much we could unpack here on loss, what it looks like to lose someone, how to walk through that. And that's not really the message. I don't want to be insensitive at all if you're working through loss. Um, I, I really want to focus on the fact that they're widows in this time. And, and you know, when we think about being widows in this time, um, a study I, I read just said women certainly had significant roles in the household, but these usually did not extend to commercial enterprises. They weren't the ones making money, which I don't think is a surprise to us at that time, right? Upon her husband's death, the widow normally relied upon her sons for support. If she had none, she might have to sell herself into slavery, resort to prostitution, or die. Awesome right? Great choices, right? That is, what the, that is what the reality would be for a widow, right? Not necessarily making money, not really having provision. These are the choices. And that's how Naomi, the mother-in-law, that is how she is left. She's left completely alone without any help or resources, decides maybe I'll just go back to you know, my homeland because maybe there's something for me there. You know, Naomi later says, the Lord's hand has turned against me. She says, I have nothing. I was full, and now I'm empty. She says, the Lord has afflicted me, and she's being so real about her feelings, right? She feels like she has nothing. Naomi really speaks to those real, raw moments that we have with God, right? 
those moments of like, God, where are you? The moments where we think, are you even real? Like, do you even care about my situation? I've definitely said those words. Do you even see what's going on, Lord? Because this person seems to be doing fine and I'm really not. Talk to people who have said like, how can I get another thing coming? Like, I just can't handle this. How can this be happening? Don't you even care? You might be in this room today and you can relate to Naomi's story in some way or another. In her circumstance of desperation, abandonment, where you're actually cursing God because of your situation. And I just want you to know that that doesn't make you a bad Christian to have feelings of doubt or to question God. He is a big God. He's big enough for our doubt. He's big enough for our questions. He's big enough for you to actually wrestle that out with him. And being a Christian doesn't mean that our doubt disappears. It doesn't mean that our lives are perfect. It's not realistic to assume that we won't question God when situations can be hopeless. And that's where we, that's where we find ourselves in the book of Ruth right now. It's like the, the, the main thought when Ruth is introduced is where is God in all of this? And here comes our hero, you guys. Here comes our hero to speak over Naomi in a powerful way. So this is probably the most famous scripture from Ruth. This is maybe what you might um, recognize from Ruth. It says in Ruth 1, verse 16 to 17, this is Ruth again. Naomi has said, leave me alone. There's nothing for you. Go back to your homeland. Maybe there's something for you there. And this is what Ruth says to Naomi. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. That's what Ruth says to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. There's so much we can learn from Ruth. I just like am in awe. You can tell I've been reading a lot of Ruth. I'm just like, she's just so incredible to me. This is such an incredible statement. And I think the first thing that we can learn from Ruth is that sometimes we are the answer to someone else's prayer. Sometimes you are the answer to someone else's prayer, that someone might be praying for provision or help or encouragement, and God actually wants to use you to answer that prayer. God wants to use you in his story, right? God is so powerful. He's so amazing that he could just figure out every little situation, but he wants to use you to answer someone else's prayer. You know, Ruth chose to love Naomi in her own loss. Ruth doesn't know what's going to happen. She's most likely going to get nothing in return nothing in return. You know, the Bible describes Ruth um, showing this kind of love as someone who is not just showing her kindness, but showing her loyalty and devotion. It's the kind of love that would endure pain and personal sacrifice. I, I don't think that's the kind of love that I choose every single day. You know, she, she chooses Naomi's home, her dwelling place, her faith. Ruth owed Naomi nothing. It's, it's good for us to remember that. She owed her nothing, and she would have received nothing by going with her. But this is what this love looks like. Um, in the early days of COVID, some of you, your shoulders just tensed up because I mentioned this, you know, COVID. Um, in the early days of COVID, uh, my husband and I, we actually weren't working at the time, like many of you probably. We weren't working. It was like, it was a, it was a stressful time. I, I want you to just go back to those moments of making sourdough bread and dropping it off. And, and then eating, um, you know, Christmas dinner in garages, good times, right? Good times. Um, and I just remember, it was, it was a hard time for us. Financially, it was really tough. Um, but more than that, God was really, he had to work on me in the ways that, man, I, my identity was so found in my work. I'm someone who I love to achieve a lot. Um, I love to, you know, give out. I love to speak into people's lives. But God really had to work in me just this feeling of, like, 
I felt like I had no value during that time. I didn't have a job. I wasn't working. I felt forgotten. I felt like, man, people don't even really miss me. Like, was what I was doing really important? I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but that's how I felt. And I remember sharing this with one of my friends, and I, I shared just like, man, I'm just struggling right now. Um, and she's someone who is such a spiritual mentor to me. She's someone who, when I'm wrestling with someone or I feel like discouraged over a conversation, I go to her because she's someone who always speaks life. She's so wise. She's like spoken into my life as a young child. Um, and, I, and I remember she, you know, I told her this. And then one random day, I think I was like cleaning or something. Like I just, Brett was like, oh, she came to um, drop off this card for you. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And in the card was $500. $500 during early days of COVID. She was so generous, just knew we weren't working and it made such a difference. I remember that summer we were able to go visit my family. We hadn't seen my family for so long. And she wrote this note. She wrote this note and this is what it says inside. You're loved and seen by God. <laughs> Makes me wanna cry. You're not forgotten. And I remember that's how I felt during that time. It's like, I just felt so forgotten by God and I just was praying like, God, why can't you hear what I'm saying? And this is how he showed me that I wasn't forgotten, through someone else's love, right? Through someone else, not just sending me a text, not just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you, which is so powerful, I just want you to know. If God asked you to do that, you have no idea what that could mean. But she knew she needed to go above and beyond to show me that. And she wrote me this note and it said, you're not forgotten. And you guys, the, like, I was thinking about this because I actually have this on my bedside table. I haven't felt that way since. Like there was some spiritual healing that happened. I have not felt forgotten by God since this moment. And that's what she did for me. She showed me this love without getting anything in return, gave us finances, right, without getting anything in return. And I just wonder, what would that look like in our lives, in my own life? When's the last time we loved someone in this way, knowing we wouldn't get anything in return? You know, sometimes it can be really hard to love people because people are really difficult to love, right? There's a lot of people flashing in your head, for me too. Like, there are some people who can be really, really hard to love, right? And I think sometimes we, we we love people because we know we'll get something out of it. But I just want to encourage you and encourage myself that this is what develops your faith, right? Not just praying, God, help me, but praying, God, show me today how I can help someone else. Show me today how I can be your hands and feet, Lord. It develops your faith, right? Ruth had nothing. She had nothing. All she could give to Naomi was her commitment. And that was probably such an answer to Naomi's prayer, someone feeling so alone, so deserted, just trying to get everyone, just, just leave me alone. And Ruth said, I'm not gonna leave you, right? They both had nothing, but they had each other. You know, it shows us God's not waiting for us to have the perfect life. He's just waiting for you to be willing. He's just waiting for you to be willing to love someone in this way. Sometimes God uses us to answer someone else's prayer. So the story continues. So, you know, they go back to Bethlehem, and Ruth kind of just, like, is like, okay, well, we need food, we need money, we need something. So she actually decides to go to a field that's owned by one of Naomi's relatives. His name is Boaz, which is a, is a nice name. It's a good name. Um, you know, he goes um, to a relative named Boaz, and she starts to just pick up leftover grain, pretty much just pick up the scraps, pick up anything that would feed them. And so Boaz sees this. And he actually notices this. And this is what he says to her. So this is Ruth 2, verse 8. It says, Boaz, great name, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to the other field. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. In verse 10, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. Right? He's giving her a job. He's giving this widow a job, saying, stay with me here. I will provide for you. 
She says, what have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I am only a foreigner. In verse 11, yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Wow, that's so incredible. She just decides to do something, and she is so noticed by this. Up until now, everything that Ruth has done has been to benefit Naomi. Right? She left her home, her upbringing, her culture. And she's just given this provision by, by simply going to work and looking for a way to provide for herself and for Naomi. She just starts, right? She just starts and she trusts and um, she automatically sees God's blessing and God uses her to provide. You know, the second thing I think we can learn from Ruth is that sometimes God uses us to answer our own prayers. You know, as I've mentioned, God wants you to be involved. He wants to help you. I'm, and I'm not speaking to those of you who, you know, I know... Like myself, there are some of us who want to control everything, feel like, oh, we could just, if I could just do this and just move this person over and they could change their feelings about that and that'd be fine and then I'll talk to this person, it'll all work out. I have all those, I always have that monologue running in my head and I'm not necessarily saying to you like, you can fix your own problems, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God wants to use you as you are willing to be used by him and the answer might actually just be by just starting, by just starting something, seeing what you have being willing to be used and seeing, and, and actually God answering our prayers, you know. Something to remember in this story is that we actually haven't heard God's voice quite yet. You know, he's involved, but he's not involved in the way that we would hear his voice. He's working in the everyday. Ruth has devoted herself to Naomi, so the next thing she does is the thing that makes the most sense. She just gets to work, and God is involved in that action. You know, even in the monotony, God might be orchestrating something significant in your life right now beneath your nose. This is so much what our Christian walk actually looks like, right? Sometimes we think that God can only speak in the craziest, most miraculous ways. And, and you know, I, this is true. We believe that God can perform miracles. There's so many incredible stories in this room. But I think more often than not, walking out your Christian faith means just trusting that God's going to move even if you don't hear his voice. I don't know about you. I have actually not heard God's voice speak to me through a burning bush. Anyone... No. Okay. So no one. Oh, no. Yeah. No one else. I don't think. I don't think I've actually heard that. I think in you know I, I'm only, I'm 30, turning 31. I've, so I've heard a lot of sermons in my life. I know that there are many of you who have heard many more, but I have heard one person the whole time in all of the sermons, all of the camps, say that they audibly heard the voice of God. One person. If that were me, I would preach about it every single time. Right. That would be something I would always say. Right. Of course, God can work in this way, but more often than not. I see him through my circumstances, a card that someone gives me. I see him when I'm praying in the car on the way to a meeting. I see him um, show me love when I'm just so frustrated that my son won't go into his car seat. He is so strong for an 18-month-old, and he just will not just go into it. We have to sing to him and distract him, giving him an apple. Like, I see his love in that time. I see his impact when I listen to the ways that he wants me to love other people. When I do something scary, I see him in that. And Ruth right now, you know, she would have been seen in society, Ruth and Naomi, they would have been seen as nobody, but they're everybody, right? They're everyone. They're all of us just trying to figure out what our faith looks like. You know, so after this, Naomi decides that she, she wants to help Ruth. So she kind of orchestrates a way for Ruth and Boaz. She's kind of a little matchmaker. She orchestrates a way for them to meet again in the hopes that they will be married. And there's actually some like Old Testament laws that they work through and 
Um, there's more to this story, but you know, I think that this is really what the church looks like. This is, this is what loving God and loving others looks like. It's not fancy all the time. I think more often than not, it's probably not fancy. It's not very glamorous, right? Adam says it all the time, like, Christianity is awkward, right? Because people are awkward, myself included. It's awkward. And sometimes we see the blessing like Ruth did, and sometimes we don't. But Ruth is a story about God using his people to encourage the faith of others, right? Naomi's faith is increased because of this, and she then is the one who orchestrates this marriage between um, Ruth and Boaz. And so Ruth actually presents herself to Boaz, and then they marry and they have a son. And there's significance to what this means. And so this is how the story of Ruth ends. So this is in Ruth 4, verse 16 to 17. So again, Ruth and Boaz are married they have a son, and this is how it ends. So Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, right? She's, she's holding the baby. And she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Now, I just want to be clear that this isn't a story about having children. This isn't a story about that. I don't want to suggest that blessing is only through marriage and children. Um, and I also want to just be sensitive, you know, to, you know, for those of you who are going through that specific kind of loss. That, that's, not, that's not really what I'm talking about here. And I, I don't want to be so bold or so rude to assume that that's how blessing always happens because it's just not true, right? God can bless us in so many different ways. He sees your specific situation. But you can see how at the end of the story, the places where Naomi first expressed her loss, they have been redeemed in a completely amazing way, right? She's a part of a family. She has provision. She has a home again. Ruth has provision, right? She, she trusted in God. She got to work, and she has provision in the way that this culture would have viewed provision, right? Naomi and Ruth are completely restored, and we see how God has worked in so many small yet amazing ways. But this started because Ruth loved Naomi enough not to leave her. It all started because of her kindness and her willingness to do whatever it took to love another person. You know, this, this story shows us that our, um, our stories are all connected, right? So God sometimes uses us to answer someone else's prayers. Sometimes God uses us to answer our own prayers. And always God hears our prayers. The book of Ruth is this example of how we can see Jesus threaded through the entire Bible. You know, Ruth intersects Naomi's story, then, then Ruth intersects Boaz's, and their story intersects Jesse, the father of David. And all of those stories lead to Jesus, right? David is an ancestor of Jesus. Ruth is one of only five women to be mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. She's a foreigner. She's not an Israelite. But her heritage and her past did not discredit her role in the story of our Savior. She's mentioned in the genealogy. That is incredible. She is a widow who is mentioned in the story of Jesus. You know, Ruth is all of us. She's an ordinary woman walking through loss and difficulty, just trying to figure out her faith, and God uses her to be in the line of Jesus. That's pretty incredible to me. It's such a reminder that God might be intersecting your story right now. And as I finish, I just want to, I want to pray for those of you who are maybe relating to Ruth and Naomi. Maybe you're feeling like a Naomi. You're waiting on God. You're waiting on God to bring some sort of provision. You're waiting on God to, you know, answer your prayers. Maybe you just need to feel acknowledged that he hears them. And I believe you can get that peace today. Maybe you can relate to Ruth and you know that there is someone in your life that you need to go 
just a little bit further with and show them some sort of love. You know, I'm, I'm not asking you to love people who are not good for you, right? You use your discernment. You, you work on this with God, and he can tell you who to love and what that looks like for you. Maybe he's just asking you to trust him more. Maybe there's some of you in this room who are just feeling so stuck. Like, God, I just don't know what to do. Why won't you just tell me what to do? And God is just saying, just start. Just start, and I will be there. I want to pray for you. I want, I, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes, and I want to pray for those. Maybe there's more for you, right? I just want to pray for you right now. So God, we just, we thank you that you are in all of our stories. God, you can do anything, but you choose to have us. God, you choose to have someone like Ruth and everyone. God, you choose to use us in such incredible ways. So I just pray for those who are going through a season that is so difficult. God, would you just remind them that you see them? If that's all they need to hear, God, would you just remind them, God, would they feel your peace right now in this moment that you see them and you walk with them and you are there with them? God, I just pray for anyone who, who's feeling like Ruth right now. God, they know that there is more that you want for them, God. They feel like their faith is stagnant, that it hasn't really moved, God. But I just pray that they would have faith to trust that you will be there, that you are through our circumstances, God. That if you can work in the life of Ruth thousands and thousands of years ago, that she would just show up at the right field, that she would have the right provision, you can work in our lives. So God, we trust you and we love you. Speak to people right now, God. You're a personal Lord and you want to speak to them. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. You know, I want, to, I want to do one more prayer because Ruth owes everyone, right? And her story connects so beautifully to Jesus. And there may have been some of you in this room that as I've been talking, you're realizing, you know, your story, you want to be connected to Jesus. That there's been a pull, you know. Ruth was everyone, and it says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Your story can connect with Jesus's today. You know, you have a choice that, again, God is not waiting for you to have a perfect life. I think that's such a lie that the enemy wants to give us. Just clean yourself up and then go to church. That is not true. We are all imperfect. We need him. That's why he's there. And Christianity doesn't always have to feel epic. It can, but it can be as simple as making a, just a simple choice to say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. It can be as simple as saying, I will choose you here at Belmont High School on May 7th. Just making a simple decision to follow Jesus. It's not about rules and regulations that you have to follow. Jesus just wants your heart. And he can give you so much peace. And so I just want to pray for those of you who are feeling that way. So let's all close our eyes together. Let's do this prayer together. And I just want to walk you through a simple prayer if that's you. He just goes, thank you, sorry, please. So God, I just, you know, I just thank you. I thank you for what you did for us. I thank you that you're more than enough. That you see my situation. And Lord, I just want to say sorry. And I just, for all of those who are making this decision right now in the room, God, would they just say sorry for what we've done. Sorry for my sin. Sorry for all the times that I thought that I was the one who had it all together. Please come into my life and make me new. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God. We know that you're working right now in this church. Amen.